Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. It's producer Abby Cutton in here to give a quick intro to this episode. As you can probably tell from the image, this is a PPP episode or a peddling perishable products episode. This is actually a recording of a live webinar Liz did, letting you behind the scenes on how she took a seasonal flower farm to a year-round job. It's a really great topic and she really dives deep into it. So hopefully you enjoy this PPP episode of the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. people joining well there were like double this signed up but that's okay so um yeah I did that poll in stories a couple weeks ago and or last week whatever it was and said which one would you guys like to hear and it sounded like the turning a seasonal business into a year-round business uh was the winner so that's what we're gonna talk about okay so Essentially, I found that obviously when you have a seasonal business, you can quickly get burnt out. So we're not just talking about spreading out the revenue, but we're talking about spreading out the work. And I kind of made it my mission to basically anything that I could offload from the summer months so that I could focus on growing instead of just focusing on selling or having to focus on selling and marketing and ordering things and taking notes and reaching out to customers and social media and all of that. I tried to just, okay, how can I break it up month by month in the off season? You guys all know who I am. I don't need to do the introductions, but basically in four years, I've really grown my flower farm from what it was to it is to what it is now. And I really, this last year, I have really honed in on reducing my expenses rather than just increasing revenue, which is very eye-opening in many reasons, but it's, it's also honestly a lot more fun when you just, okay, I'm content with where I'm at. I'm content with where the sales are, still growing on the same amount of land, just growing better quality of what I'm doing. And then of course I have my Peddling Perishable Products course that's coming out. The majority of you that are on this call are taking it. So that's really exciting. So excited to get started with that next week. But I found that, you know, people are always asking, well, what do you do in the off season? What do you do that now that your flower's done? And I know that most people don't mean it to be insulting, but sometimes it sort of is as in, you know, they assume that we just don't do anything in the off season. So my flower sales mid-April And I think the majority of you are in the Midwest, but mid-April through late September is when I have flowers sometimes through mid-October. So for me, with my high tunnel, early to mid-April is when, I think last year, April 8th was when my tulips started blooming. And so by, I think by May 5th, all of the tulips were completely done out of the high tunnel. And then my tulips outside started blooming within a few days of the ones in the high tunnel blooming. And then my last frost is usually, or my first frost, heavy frost, is usually late September, early October. Yeah, what do I do from mid-October through through that mid-April? And so I would say once I start really having to like 
put the sides up and down in the high tunnel. It's mid-March, checking on the ranunculus, getting stuff ready, starting to really start like washing buckets, take tools out, whatever is mid-March. And then I try to finish with the fall cleanup by roughly mid-November is kind of my, my goal. But let's start with the fall cleanup. So that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, we dug some trenches today for tulips, but anything that you can do in fall cleanup to thank yourself later in the spring. So this is where we're at right now. And I get it. We're tired. We're exhausted. We don't want to keep doing this, but it will just make it so much easier. I don't start that many seeds um, in seed trays anymore. I'm probably still going to do my status because that's one of the easiest things to do. And I didn't like any of the colors that Farmer Bailey had in plugs. Um, but so just cleaning those trays, bleaching them right now, because where I have them, there's no warm water out there. And so then I know, and it's going to be cold out. And I know that Brent's going to be so mad if I bring them inside my brand new house and wash them in the shower. So cleaning and bleaching out your seed trays, folding up fabric so that it's easy to unload, to unroll. So we have all of our rows, uh, down in the U-Pick area are now 60 feet long. And so each fabric piece is 60 feet long. Each drip line is 60 feet long. And we have a row of grass in between each of them, which is so nice because it's all the same now. And that's that's one thing that we really were trying to focus on is how do we, you know, rather than retrofitting. So we threw away probably a third of the fabric this year that we had saved, that it was still a decent fabric. I shouldn't say we threw it away. I put it up top kind of by where the high tunnel is in case I ever need it or I can double layer a couple pieces if we need to like kill some grass or something. But for the most part, nope, I want it to fit and fit in every single row so that we don't have to worry about it. Brent likes to fold it up the long way and then fold it once and then fold it again, fold again so that when you go to unwrap it, you can grab one and just pull on it. And then, oh, found a good way to store the drip line without getting tangled. Yes, actually I will be, um, I will post a picture of it on my stories of Instagram right now, but yes, that's actually going to be my reel for tomorrow. So our drip lines, we have the kit from, it's not Farmer's Friend, it's Dripworks, Dripworks. And so there's the little, um, there's the piece on the end where the tube fits into it and then it like encapsulates it and then it, it screws onto there. So we take all of those off. They're all 60 feet long. Every single drip line is because then they, you know, we have the mother tubing and then there's all the other ones that come across it. So we took an electric spool and Brent, they use them a lot um, with drilling wells. So he brought one home. So it's a smaller one, like cable spool. And they were able to, or so then he took some like two by fours and he built like a, He'd be laughing at me if he knew what word I'm using, but he took two by fours and made like a little, like an A shape. And then, um, so that they kind of braced themselves and then took a post, like a T post through the middle of that spool. And then we, we wrap it around that spool. I feel like I'm not explaining it very well, but I will post a picture of my stories tomorrow so you can see it. And then we use electric tape and we can fit all of them on there. So it, it's, trust me, like it's, it's so slick. It works really well. So yeah, that's how we store all of our drip lines. And then 
Try to add some compost now. Try to kill as much grass as you can. Try to anything that you can do to, um, oh, just pause my screen. Sorry. Sorry. Just to start getting your beds prepped. I will be honest, you know, I'm not saying that I'm the most perfect grower and that you should do everything that I do. Um, I had every intention of getting a cover crop in and I didn't. <laughs> so, um, I am planning on planting something in a lot of the beds next spring right away, especially where the dahlias are going to go. You've probably heard my podcast episode um, with the twins uh, from Blooming Creek. Their sister works as an agronomist, and so she recommended some sort of like 30 day, or it's it's a really short, like really cool hand, cool hardy annual radish plant that she thought would be really good where the dahlias go because of whatever nutrients they had in them. So I'm going to give that a try. So it's um, some type of radish. And if you um, actually let me check on my sorry, now I can't find it, but they text it to me. I have a group text with them and it's yeah. So that's what they're using for a cover crop because it's good for dahlias. So you can send me a message. Had the dahlias quit or, you know, got killed by frost September 25th, then yeah, would have had time to get a cover crop down. But unfortunately not unfortunately, but you know, we had dahlias longer than we, than we anticipated. And so I wasn't going to just kill them and so that I could grow a cover crop. But so adding compost, doing cover crops, whatever you can do. I admittedly am a divide dahlias in the spring person. I just, I like being able to see the eyes better. I have plenty of space, all of that. And so I, I usually don't have a problem but because my tulips didn't come until literally yesterday, I had time to divide the majority of my dahlias. So almost all of my dahlias are divided up. So again, just anything that you know your future self will thank you for, try to get done within reason. Okay, don't burn yourself out. All right, so then off-season sales plans. I'm not going to dive too deep into this. If you're taking the course, then we dive so deep into it. But subscriptions, nursing home sponsorship, wedding bookings, private events, any of those things that I can pre-sale. My goal is to pre-sell probably 60 to 70 of my flowers in the off season, just so that I know that, you know, if we have 200 bouquets a week and 120 are in subscriptions, 40 are in nursing home sponsorships, and I've got... You know, so then that's 50 left. So 25 on a U-Pick, 25 on a stem bar, done. I don't sit there and post about it on Facebook. I don't sit there and try to sell extra flowers. Honestly, half the time I'm like, please don't, don't buy anything extra because I don't think I'm going to have anything extra. And so I just, as much as I can try to pre-sell in the off season, I do. And I just start organizing that. And it's, it, it takes a lot of organizing, especially the nursing home sponsorships, um, but it's, it's absolutely worth it for when I get those sales. But yeah, so just any, any pre-sales that you can do so that you're not worrying about selling the flowers. You can just work it, worry about growing the flowers. Planning the garden. This is a huge one. It's gotten way easier for me now um, as I'm entering, you know, finishing up my fourth growing season or finishing up my, yeah, finishing my fourth growing season. So entering year five. I used to just, okay, this is the space I have and I need to fill it and I need to fill it with flowers. Well, that's incredibly inefficient. 
because you end up having to deadhead flowers. You end up, you know, picking stuff that you wouldn't use. It's wasteful. You could have had something that you would have sold. And so even if you're not using it, it still could be losing money because A, there's an opportunity cost and B, now you have to deadhead it and you still have to pick and you still have to do something with them so that they continue producing. And so it's a fine balance between like, sometimes I see other people's gardens and um, what they're growing and I'm like, oh, why doesn't mine look like that? And then I remember, oh wait, it's because I am trying to sell every single stem that I have within reason and not have a lot extra because if these flowers or if these gardens are lush and blooming, it means they're not selling their product. So now I just try to really plan exactly, like I make bouquet recipes and I think, okay, well, what's, what's my recipe going to be in July? And I just pick some random weeks throughout the summer and I work backwards from there and then I figure out exactly what to plant. I order my plugs from Farmer Bailey just because it's it's tried and true and I know it's good. Although I did talk to my sales rep from Ball. That's where I buy my peony roots and my tulip bulbs. Peonies have been great. My ranunculus have been great. Everything that I've bought from Ball Seed Company has been fantastic. Except for they use Edney for their tulip bulbs. And this is the second year in a row that it's just been so much later than it's supposed to be. I don't know if you guys follow Lindsay Talby. It used to be Muddy Acres Flower Farm. She ordered 125,000 tulip bulbs thinking that she was going to cancel some of them and she forgot. And so she literally just got them in the mail this week. We all just got them this week. And it was like, I was supposed to get mine three weeks ago, as was she. And so it's, that company's a little nervous, but Ball Seed Company buys or does their plugs through grow and sell. And that's the company that bought out Farmer Bailey's plugs. And so if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, it's fine. Don't worry about it. But I'm looking at ordering my plugs through Ball directly. And then that way, because with Farmer Bailey, you have to, you pay for shipping for like three things. Whereas with Farmer Bailey or with Ball and grow and sell, you can get them on a bigger crate. And hopefully I could save like I mean, I'm thinking I could probably save around 500 bucks total in shipping um, and potentially other people could go on shipping with me if they can come on a bigger crate or whatever. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But so I order my plugs. I usually order the first week of October. I've already got all of my seeds order. I usually don't do that until late December. It just depends. We'll cover this. If you're in the Petaline Perishable Products course, we'll cover this with accounting, but like how you do your, you know, when the expense is and when, what year you want to fall it in and whatever. But I don't really have a need to, I mean, the expense is big for seeds, but it's not like it's life-changing that I want to wait until after the first of the year. But yeah, so I do a lot of that ordering and planning in the off season, really map things out. Now that I have my U-pick area, I sit there and try to think, okay, what's going to be blooming all summer long? What's going to be pretty? What's going to be succession planting? What's going to be cut and come again? That type of thing. Yeah, so I do a lot of planning there. Oh, and this piggybacks on what Abby and I talked about last week, um, batching content. And I know how pretentious that sounds and I hate to like batch content. But if I'm being honest, I copied and pasted this, um, this PowerPoint presentation from last time. And I just didn't erase the words batching content, but I feel like that does sound kind of ridiculous. So 
Sorry, but that's really what it is. So I will, once everything slows down and I get tulips planted, whatever, and I'll keep in mind, I also have a podcast. And so I kind of do a growing tip or educational tips. And I know what those are going to be for this summer. And so my goal is to have at least one like big informational post or educational post um, for basically April through October. I use that Trello app that we talked about and I map everything out. Like, you know, I know already when my subscription days are going to be. I know already when everything is going to be. And so as much as you can do, anything that you can do right now to save you work in the summertime, you're going to just be so appreciative. And that's why, honestly, in the summer, I can, there's a lot of stuff that I don't, that I don't have to worry about. I used to make drafts on my email newsletter but I basically just duplicate the previous weeks and then write it in there. So that wasn't really helpful to go ahead and make the drafts, but I still know like roughly what the content are going to be, you know, but just even with social media, if you know, like, Hey, if you know, you're going to do a, Oh, when I first started, um, before I had my podcast, I did like a Tuesday tip and it was growing flowers and that type of thing. The only thing to be hesitant about is yes, it's fun to see, accounts grow on Instagram and follow each other and we're all flower farmers here or aspiring flower farmers, whatever, but keep in mind who your audience is. And so I try to really shift it like, this is what we're doing and this is why you should care what we're doing because you get these flowers at the end. So it's okay to show behind the scenes, but make sure you aim it to your customer. So, I mean, if I were you, I would set a goal in this off season to try to just map out what you're going to do next summer. And I know you're exhausted, but just, you know, make a Google doc, add all those ideas, put all those in there, like at some point in December, you know, have a little eggnog, whatever, and, you know, just map it out. So anything that you can do from that standpoint in the off season so that you're not constantly having to do it in the moment during, during the summer is huge. Scheduling events. So again, I, I used to be, an RN working shifts. So I worked 12 hour shifts, days, nights, rotating weekends, rotating holidays. We have a different, we have a different brain. We have a different schedule. Um, you know, there's people that'll be like, Oh, and I mean, literally my sister-in-law is, she still works every third weekend as an RN. And I'll be like, just to kind of prove a point of be like, what are you doing March 17th next year? Or March, well, that's St. Patrick's day. So that's a bad example, but what are you doing April 17th? And she's like, well, I know the 15th is a weekend. That's a Saturday. So that's a Monday, right? Like she knows what her weekends are. And I'm kind of the same way. But I try to start booking out private events like in the spring. So this is something you could even start doing in like March. If you know that you had a private group out last year or if there was someone from a UPIC saying, oh, I'd love to bring my sisters out or something, send them an email. Start looking at that schedule and say, hey, what month do you guys want to come? Because I know I'm going to do Tuesdays in July. Just anything that you can start pick, puzzling in those pieces um, will really help. And then that way you know like what day of the week you're going to want to go places. If you know your kid has softball on Monday nights, start scheduling around that. So again, build this business around your life and not your life around your business, okay? And then here is the most important part. Rest travel, have fun, sharpen your axe. So there's this story about these two workers that were 
chopping down trees and they both start at the same time every day. And then the one just keeps working and working and working constantly. Um, he skips lunch. He skips coffee breaks. He just keeps working constantly. And the other person always quits at like 11 a.m., goes home for lunch, comes back at like one o'clock, and they both finish the same day, finish at the same time. And, you know, the other one's like, I'm sick of this. I work way harder than you. Why, you know, and you go home and have coffee with your wife. What are you doing? And he's like, well, actually, I go home and I sharpen my axe so that I'm more effective in the afternoon. So think of it that way. This winter time, and not just in the winter, you deserve, you deserve breaks in the summertime. I think you should probably schedule a break for the summertime and plan on a time when you're not going to have flowers and you can just do that. But just, it's so important to recharge. There's a book I read by Lynn Bozinski, The Flower Farmer. And just in the chat, if you guys are still watching, hopefully you are, how many of you have read this book? This is like the flower farmer book. So I, okay, I think so. We got one, I think so. So this is, I will try to, it's called The Flower Farmer. So this book, The Flower Farmer, it has a whole chapter in here. And I remember the first time I read it when she talked about how they take off work for six weeks, starting the beginning of November until mid-December. And I just thought that was insane. I'm like, what do you mean you just take six weeks off work? What do you do the whole time? And she's like, we're tired, we're exhausted, we deserve a break. And yeah, so this is, I believe there's a chapter in here about, um, yeah, it just, yeah, it's like basics for beginners and it literally walks you through, oh, here we go, the flower growers year. So it talks about January, February, March, April, May, what they do every single month on there. Um, but yeah, November, it's, yeah, we've continued producing. Yeah, and they just, you know, it's cleanup month, it's rest month. Don't tell everyone, but I actually do lie on the sofa and read novels for a few weeks. So that's what it says on here. Um, but yeah, so rest, travel, sharpen your ex. How important that is. So as long as I had you guys on here, and I think the majority of you will be attending, I just wanted to give an update on what Flower Farmer Forum is going to be about. Um, and then we'll get to questions. So um, there are going to be six panels. And one's going to be industry standard pricing. And so just talking about learning what these flowers actually go to, what florists pay from a wholesaler for flowers. So if you're going to sell to wholesalers um, and just what they upcharge them to retail. So it's just, it's not meant to be a discussion on telling anyone how they're supposed to run their business. That is not, you know, and I don't want to be the expert. I'm not the expert. I'm not a panelist. I'm literally the moderator of these panels and whoever is, signed up for Flower Farmer Forum starting in December for that entire month. We will have the panel topics and then you can go in and you can submit your questions that you want answered for the entire month of December. And then at the end of December, I'm taking all those questions and I'm going to give them to the panelists so they will have two weeks to prepare. And then instead of it being a presentation, it's going to be like, hey, this question came up seven times. They want to know about this or they want to know about that. Um, so yeah, industry standard pricing, pest management. Um, we have someone from the U of M talking about that. Just soil health in general, cover crops, soil samples, soil health. Funding, we do have someone from the Equip loan program. So like a lot of women loans, a lot of um, young beginning farmer loans, that type of thing. 
um, just assistance programs. And then we're going to have some florists coming to talk about just floral design updates. So we know what they want us to grow. And they're also going to talk about like specifications that they want, you know, stem length, that type of thing, and just go over what they are looking for when they buy from local flowers. Um, the two designers that I have confirmed for sure, they go down to Twin Cities Floral Exchange almost every single week and buy from local growers there. And then some of actually one of them does buy from me quite frequently. Um, but that's going to be kind of the panel talking about that. And then we're going to talk about state licensing requirements, um, just what we need to have, that type of thing. So that's Flower Farmer Forum. And then I think the majority of you, like I said, I think all but a couple of you are actually doing peddling perishable products. But so we take this, you know, this is like literally 10% of what the year round sales in a seasonal business will be. So I walk you guys through exactly what my sales are every single month, not only what I'm selling, but how much of I'm selling it and roughly who I'm selling it to. And so turning that year round business into a seasonal business along with everything else. I did not mean for this to be like a total sales pitch for pe for peddling perishable products, but since so many of you are on there, so here's an update of what the modules are in the course. And um, yeah, so that closes on Sunday is the last day that people can sign up for that. We're ready to go next week. And yeah, if you sign up for peddling, you get to do Flower Farm Reform. So I will go through and I will um, remind myself I need to post about that cover crop. I'm going to literally text Abby right now and let you guys know what that cover crop was and post that photo of how I do my drip lines. What other questions do you guys have? You can go ahead and put them on there. Oh, and I see that Eliza, you uh, did the Audible book on your long drive, so that's good. Who, not how. Uh, I actually, uh, I went down a rabbit hole. So one of Josh's, my late husband, one of his best friends recommended that book to me. He's one that recommended it to me a long time ago, and then he saw that I posted that. And he's like, oh, if you like this book, you need to read 10, 10 times. 10x is easier than 2x. Um, and he's like, but I'm pretty sure Flower Farmer Fiance is going to kill me if he knows about this. And so I'm like one chapter into listening to that one when I you know, took Merle out for a walk today. So, oh, good. You ordered the hardcover today, too. All right. Well, we are going to get cut off any minute here anyway, because I only have the 40 minutes. So. I will post that on my stories today. But yeah, basically anything that you can be doing, what I started out was I basically made a list of anything that could be delegated or moved. Basically, I mean, now I'm to the point where like anything that I don't have to do and that I can either delegate to Lindsay or Brittany that works on the farm, I try to take those tasks off of my hands if possible because I cannot do it all at the volume I'm at. But then, um, yeah, anything that I don't have to do in the summertime, anything that I can get done in the off season is what I'm trying to do right now. Not right now. Right now I gotta get tulip bulbs planted. Well, thank you guys and let me know if you have any, oh, whoa, whoa. what's the format of the PPP starting the first? It's been too long since our call. Yep, so just log in, you'll get an email right away. Um, there'll be an intro video of me talking and I'll give all the steps like, okay, so you watch the first module and then there's a downloadable PDF and then you can go ahead and, um, you know, answer the discussion questions and all of that. So it's, it's very like 
one week at a time, focus on that lesson. That's your lesson. Um, and then there'll be the dates of like the live Q and a that we could just kind of touch base on if you have any questions about the lessons. And then, um, at the very end, we'll have our phone call, but, um, it's very much meant to be, it's self-paced during that week. Cause I just want you to focus on one thing at a time. Um, because otherwise if you binge it all, then you're either not going to complete it or yeah. And so it's just kind of that accountability to keep us all going at the same time. So I'm very, very excited. Thanks for listening to the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Liz. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and rate us. You can find us on Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook at Sunny Mary Meadow. Subscribe to our email newsletter at sunnymarymeadow.com. And if you have questions or comments or anything to say, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at sunnymarymeadow.com. Flowers, flowers, we love flowers. Sunny Mary Meadow, they smell so good. Sunnymarymeadow.com.